Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727 541 1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727 541 1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Italian job. A seating chaos, a smash and grab raid, and four million dollars. Four million dollars? I think we could take that over, Roger. Go! You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! Good evening, Roger. Croker. I've got a job lined up. Get out of here. It's, it's all here. Maps, drawings, plans, everything. You've been put up to this, haven't you? You've been bribed to upset my natural rhythm and ruin my health. Michael Caine does the Italian job on the outside. Masterminding the job from the inside, Noel Coward. Two gentlemen on the job. Does Mr. Bridget think he can take over Europe from a prison cell? Why do you say them Italian birds? Oh, they're big. I like them big. No, really? <laughs> big. Big. Also on the Italian job, Raph Fallon, Tony Beckley, Maggie Bly, Rosano Brazzi. I want Charlie Croker given a good going over. Hello, Charlie. Lovely, Charlie. Nice, Charlie. Good to see you, Charlie. Um, now, what would you like? <laughs> Everything. Hey! Knock that bloody water cannon out! Radio and Cars.
guys, welcome. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studio. Well, almost live in the studio, because we're still trying to get this uh, social media thing in here to working. I think it's practicing its own social distancing, but at any rate, uh, good evening, Tommy. How you doing? Good evening, Robert. I'm doing very well. Yourself? No, I'm hanging in there. How about you, Bobby? You close to the mic? Yeah, let me move, move around from the move. IT station to yeah. uh, tell you. Yes, um, hello. I uh, We have uh, YouTube Live going right now, so go ahead and check that out. Share it. You can share it on Facebook. Uh, I kind of think we got the same deal going. Oh. Uh-oh. Our so internet not, seems to so be up and down. A, our internet... Our internet. That's why we have to bring out which the hence affects have, everything else. Yes, that's why we have an eight-track player to make sure that our oh yeah, eight-track. That's right. <laughs> well, anyway, oh yeah, don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, and if you miss any of our past shows, go yeah, to Nostalgic <laughs> Radio and Cars. We have an exciting show for you tonight. Yes, we're deep into our tenth year. Yes, well, yes. about a month into uh, our well, tenth year. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're, doing, we're doing well. We're, yeah. we're getting actually pretty strong into the. I mean, yeah, now Ricky yeah. Medlock in your yeah. first. <laughs> yeah, well, we had Ricky Medlock from uh, uh, Leonard Skinner on last week. We've got mm-hmm. some other musical guests in the pipeline, as they say. So, uh, with a little luck, we'll have some pretty cool people on here, and obviously all our car guy people. So, and, and thanks to Bill Cochran for the shout out. We appreciate. Uh, yeah, all yeah. Thanks to Bill. Make sure and tune into. Is it only in America's back at six o'clock on the Tantalk Network? That's right. That's right. Where you can hear honest conservative news. At any rate, uh, okay. So. Uh, Car shows, FloridaCarshows.com. What's going on with those guys? Yeah, Bobby, you're so kind of like uh, they're, they're a little reporter kind of guy here. June is, uh, like I said, go back and listen to our uh, our interview with Tara a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's up on the, uh, you can find now on the podcast on YouTube. Uh, check it out. Um, she'll tell you kind of how things are coming back. Uh, June is the month that we think uh, things will go back. But you know, either way, keep checking on flacarshows.com. Uh, search through the regions, Central Florida, West Florida, North Florida, South Florida, Southeast, Southwest, all over Florida. Even Pensacola. Uh, even Pensacola. And Jacksonville. Check it out. Um, there's a lot of reoccurring events but uh, that, that you know may or may not be going on. But And if you're an organizer, like she said, she wants us to keep t- saying this, uh, tell her if what's going on with your event, when you plan to, to come back, if you're doing a virtual show if you're doing a cruise in whatever um let her know so i felt like car shows that's right and i will say this i still see lots of guys driving around here and there so even if it's like two three guys at a time getting yep. together show a neighborhood know, show yeah, it off. just cruise to the neighborhood just drive around you know wave at everybody you know that's kind of cool and the bike guys the same all right so something i was going to bring up tonight is uh you know the uh, you know me i'm a, a fanatic when it comes to barn finds i like survivor cars I like original cars. I have a few of my own that I've had forever. Probably, I was joking with a guy the other day. He was over at my shop and he was kind of looking around some of the junk I got laying around. And my 72 Ranchero's in there, which I've had since high school. And I used to street race around 1270s on the street. 514 gears, 13 and a half to one Boss 351 motor. Those of you that are car heads know exactly what I'm talking about. Pretty trick piece to drive on the street, especially with 514 gears. They're pretty steep. Hell, at fourth gear, I was at 35, 40 miles an hour, so you didn't really go very far. But you went fast. Well, I shouldn't say fast. You weren't fast. You were quick, real quick. So at any rate, so he's in there, and he's looking at my car, and he's kind of like, you know, puzzled a little bit, you know, and he's kind of, and he's in the car, so he knew what it was, but he wasn't quite sure of the year. And I said to him, I said, hey, Greg, how old are you? He goes, uh, no, I said to Greg, I said, when were you born? He goes, 74. And I go, 74? I said, Craig, I've been street racing since 73. Okay, so I've been street racing longer than you've been on the planet. And I, with a few other little expletives or whatever. But anyway, <laughs> so we were talking about cars, and, and he was making fun. And I also have an old Camaro. It's a 74 Camaro. It's an old Z28. You've probably seen me drive that around. I took all the Chevrolet emblems off of it, and I put Ford badges on it. I used to drive around here in Pinellas Park all the time. I'd go to Burger King, and I'd go to some of the other local car shows. And people would make fun of it because it's... It, every panel on that car is rusty, except the floors are perfect, the roof's perfect, the interior's in great shape, the car's fairly original, even right down to smog tubes, and, and it drives great, typical, or great, I should say, typical Chevrolet, it smokes out of left bank, because Chevrolet, you know, the old saying, Chevy's go, but Chevy's blow, and I'm a Ford guy anyway. So I took all the Ford emblems, uh, Chevy emblems off it, put Ford badges on it, but it has the original Z28, and the brochure car, which I have a copy of, the original brochure, happens to be a yellow Z28, which is the same color as this one with tan interior, and it's got, uh, I believe, the deluxe... 
uh, yeah, it might have the deluxe. Oh, no, it may not have the deluxe interior, but it's got the nice interior. There's like three grades of interior. There was a base interior, middle interior, and then there was a deluxe. Anyway, but it's a nice driving car. It just really drives really, really nice. But it's not worth fixing up or restoring from the standpoint of a restoration. But So anyway, it's a fairly original car, original paint, most of it. The only thing I did is I reupholstered the two front seats, so just the inserts, okay, because they were kind of rough. So the guy was kind of making fun of that. But at any rate, um, where I'm going with this is there are barn finds out there. There's websites dedicated to it. And if you guys are familiar with Bring a Trailer, big shout out to my friends over at Bring a Trailer, Randy and them. And then, of course, there's another website called Barn Finds. So you do see some cool stuff out there once in a while. But I was just handed this list, and so if you can see me somewhere, I'm holding up a list, two sheets of papers, and there's 100 cars that were in one guy's collection. These cars are out west, and they will be up for sale. Now, there's a lot of guys like myself, this guy. Fortunately, hopefully, I won't fall over dead tomorrow. But in the past, there's been a lot of collections that have surfaced because, unfortunately, the guys went to the great drag strip up in the sky for whatever reason. And uh, a lot of these collectors are in their late 50s, 60s, 70s, some older. And, uh, and it could be anything. It could be sports cars, drag cars, race cars, foreign cars, American cars, muscle cars, classic cars, luxury cars, all kinds of stuff. But here's a list of a car, of 100 cars. And I'm going to read off some of these cars that this one guy has. And apparently he drove every one of these cars into his backyard. He has some acreage, I might add. And parked them. To start with, these are cars that all of us would probably go bananas for. 69 Camaro Coupe, four-speed. Now, it doesn't say anything more than that, but there's another 69 Camaro Coupe. There's another 69 Camaro Coupe. I can only assume, based on the rest of this collection, that they're pretty rare cars. Let me just read on a little further, and you guys will go kind of bananas over this. 67 Corvette Coupe, four-speed. Now, if I pull the other sheet off, let me read 67 Corvette Coupe, four-speed, 67 Corvette Convertible. Now, let me go back to the Camaros here real quick. You heard me say 69 Camaro, Coupe, four-speed. The rest of the story, 427 Copo, driver condition. The uh, other 69 Camaro, X44 Copo driver. Okay. The next one, 69 Camaro, also a Copo. Now, Copo is central office production order. Ford had Ford Central Garage, Chrysler, I'm not quite sure of, but Copo's central office production order, which means they were generally special order or limited production cars. So I'm guessing that Copos, to my knowledge, were all 427s. Now, it doesn't tell me whether it's you could have special ordered. Remember, back in those days, you could have got a la carte. Could have been a ZL1. Let's go to the uh, Corvettes, the 67 Coupe, 327 driver. Uh, one of them says TBT, which means to be determined. The other one, Corvette, 67, fa uh, 67 Coupe, 427, 434, 35 horse. That's a tri-power. Okay. Uh, let's go to Fords. Ford Galaxy. 63, four-speed, another 63 Galaxy, four-speed, another 63 Galaxy, four-speed, 63, 63, 63, a whole bunch of them. Now we're getting a 66 Fairlane. Let me go to the other page. Dual quad, 427 Survivor Driver, 427 dual quad, 427 dual quad Driver, 289 Driver. Let's go to the Galaxy, or to the uh, Fairlane. 427, that's an R code. Okay, all these are all the 427 dual quad cars are R codes. Let's go to Mustangs. He's got some Mustangs in here. 66 Coupe, 67 Fastback, 68 Fastback, 68 Coupe. Uh, 67 Fastback happens to be a K code in the serial number. That's a 289 Hypo. 66 happens to be a K code, four speed Coupe, also a 289 Hypo. Let's go to 6869 Mustang, or 68 Mustang, 68 Mustang. Actually, it says 68 Ford. How about GT350? How about GT500? How about GT500KR? How about GT500 again? Yes, Shelby's, my friends. 
This is one guy bought a bunch of these cars over, who knows, maybe a lifetime, maybe within the last 10 years. You just don't know because some people got onto this stuff late. Some people bought these cars, you know, like me. I've had my stuff since high school, some of it, most of it. So it's not like I'm really in the market. Here's the other thing, too, is guys like myself that have stuff, you know, either we're going to die with it, like this guy, uh, or we're going to get wise and sell it, or we're going to hand it down to our youngin, who we raised properly to use three pedals and a handshaker. That's a four-speed for you guys out there, or a manual transmission car. Not a millennial anti-automobile theft of ice. But at any rate, okay, so let's go to Mopars, because I know we got some Mopar guys listening. How about this one? How about a 67 GTX with a J in the serial number? You guys know what that is? How about a 69 Roadrunner with a J in the serial number? How about a 69 GTX with a J in the serial number? For you uh, numbers fanatics like myself, J is 426 Hemi. By the way, that reminds me, or elephant motor. By the way, that reminds me, if you're in Largo and you happen to be at 426 West Bay <laughs> Drive, be sure to stop in at the Rib Shack Barbecue. See how I tied this all in? Very cleverly, yes. wasn't it? Go ahead, Delivery, Bobby. Del- open for delivery. I was bespoke last week for delivery only. Or, uh, sorry, for delivery and carryout. So so uh, Uber Eats and Bite Squad. Yes, and be sure and tell them, mention Nostalgic Radium Cars, and you will get a free drink with your meal. That's the trick. That's the caveat. How about, uh, let's go to page four here. Oh, yeah. we Well, we can't leave some of the Pontiac guys out. How about this one? Pontiac 66, GOAT, Coupe. 67, GOAT, GTO, convertible. 68, GOAT. 78, Trans Am, T-Top. Four-speed car. Four-speed car. Four-speed car. Driver, uh, complete. Um, here's another car. Back to the Mopars again. How about a 71 Plymouth Barracuda with an H in their serial number? You guys know what that is? See, if it was a Ford Mustang and had a G, it would be a Boss 302. A G in the Mopar world is a 318, but an H in the Mopar world is a 340. So here's a 71 Cuda four-speed coupe with a factor 340. That's kind of a cool old car. I like those. You know, I'm into E-bodies. And challengers. No challengers on the list. But anyway, how about the Mac Daddy of all Mustangs? How about this one, guys? 1970 Mustang Fastback with a Z in the serial number. You know what that is? Z, yes, that is the Boss 429. So where I'm going with this, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, sports fan, car collectors, there are some really amazing cars still out there. And if you haven't found the car of your dreams and you're still looking for the car of your dreams, don't fret. Yeah, I'm guitar thing, fret, get it? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, there, sooner or later, if you're paying attention, it could be on Craigslist, it could be in your local rag newspaper, it could be anywhere, word of mouth, you'll probably find and stumble across that really cool car. On that note, I think Tommy is going to fire up the stereo. And since we played the little theme of the Italian job, we're on this Italian kick today. So, And our guest has a little Italian affiliation. So what we're going to do is we're going to play a little... Let's see, I think this is Adriano Celentano. And this is a song called Hea. And I used to listen to this when I was a kid living in Europe back in the day. So he turned into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Now Buenas- back on Facebook. Yeah, back on Facebook. Buena Sera. Don't touch the dial. We'll be right back. Sulla tua bocca per l'eternità io voglio stare Ea, ea, ea Pazzendo con noi, oh 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 I tuoi capelli sciolti su di me mi avvolgono nel nostro grande amor.
enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Okay, we're back to tune into Nostalgic Green Room Cars, and uh, yeah, it looks like this Facebook thing's working. But anyway, back to uh, barn finds. Uh, what was it, a week ago, Bobby, you and I were driving around, and we're somewhere screwing around up there in uh, Hernando County or someplace like that, Lake County, one of those counties up there out in the middle of no place in West Central Florida. And we stumbled across this uh, field with a couple of houses, it's kind of like farm country. Now, I'm giving you guys a clue. Giving you guys a clue. Pay attention. <laughs> and uh, driving by this house. Yes, driving by a house. You know, it's uh, the story of my life. Driving by a house somewhere. And there's this white fastback Mustang sitting out there. And it had funny little blue stripes on it. And I got excited immediately. And my son goes, whoa, 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 Dad, calm down, calm down. We saw that car three years ago, <laughs> which we did. I just kind of couldn't remember. You know, see, when you drive around, sometimes eventually, when you get to be my age, you know, and and uh, dementia f- sets in. You, uh, <laughs> yes, drive- we saw that Wait, same so MG last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's your own MG. <laughs> no, that's my own MG. Anyway, we uh, speaking of MG, shout out to our buddy Brian out there working on his little MGB coupe, a roadster. Anyway, um, so uh, there's this white Mustang fastback, and Bobby goes, no, nope, we already checked that car out, and the guy said he's not, for, not selling it. So anyway, so as the story goes, yeah, there's a white uh, mid, uh, I'm going to say 65, 66 fastback out there. Looks like a Shelby, but it's not a Shelby. But then lo and behold, when we got on the guy's property, I actually did get out and look and stop. This was many years ago. And uh, in the garage, he had not one, not two, not three, not four, but a whole bunch of Mustangs. Of which, none, none. Listen to me. None. Zero. Zip zero. Going to fix them up someday. We're for sale. Anyway, on that note, uh, yes, they're still out there. And if I find something really, really cool, I'll let you know. If you find something really, really cool, don't forget to get a hold of us here at uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Or reach us out to us at GolfstreamMotorsports.com. Tommy, go ahead and fire up that next Italiano song. And uh, then we're going to call our guests and get our very, very special guest on for the evenings. An alumni guest has been on the show, and you will definitely know who this gentleman is. You're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. How about a little, uh, little uh, sympathy music? You tune in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. We'll be right back. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents 
Seven great stars in an exciting, extravagant, romantic adventure. champagne-tinted playgrounds of Ascot to the sweeping grandeur of the continent and the sinister intrigues of Middle Europe to the romantic backgrounds of Rome and the moon-bathed Mediterranean. Everything happens in the Yellow Rolls Royce. Whatever happens to you, don't grow up. in summer houses or in yellow Rolls Royces in Ascot car parks must seem tremendous fun to her. Are you going by car? Yes, I am. Well then, Mrs. Millet, you are in a position to render my country a great service. Indeed? How? By taking me with you. Well, this old yellow heat breaks down on me on the way to Pisa. It won't only be my beloved fidanzato who'll be in trouble. Capite, signore? Capito, signore. I must see you alone. I go this evening. Please. Impossible. <laughs> Where? Unless. Unless. The Yellow Rose Rice. Everything happens in the Yellow Rose Rice. Look at me. Look at me, Amor Mia. Now say again what you say to me this morning. I'm behaving very foolishly, Postmas. So wrong. Bandages, bandages. There. Huh? Okay, we're back, and it's uh, time to introduce our alumni guest for the evening. This gentleman's been on our show before. He's a classic art historian, an author, a consultant, a writer. He's also an accredited senior appraiser with ASA. He's the man behind the bow tie, and you often see him on the Jay Leno show with his segment, Assess and Caress. I'm delighted to welcome back to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Donald Osborne. Donald, how you doing, friend? I am doing terrifically, thank you very much. And I'll tell you, listening to those uh, clips just now, I was transported uh, back into uh, that movie, The Yellow Rolls Royce. I could see every frame of the film during the uh, the preview. <laughs> well, now, you know what's interesting about that that, mo- that clip? I mean, I got your bio and, and some of the other information that you sent me, and I thought that's perfect, because what I try to do is I try to segue and tie it. Now, the gentleman that was in there, and I think his name's Alain Delon. Was, was Alain Delon, yeah. Okay. His Ferrari, he is, his Ferrari was the Ferrari that was found in that collection, the 250 California Spider, that wound up selling for what, 20, 18 million or something like that? And it was, yes, a, it was I, at auction in Paris. Yes. Uh, yes, complete with a dent in the trunk from where uh, something had fell on it uh, during storage in the garage. Yeah. So I thought that would kind of be a neat kind of like uh, topic to talk about, you know, since you're an appraiser and you run across cars like that, you know, that particular car versus a totally restored Ferrari 250 California Spider. Give us your thoughts. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is that uh, I have very, very strong opinions 
on what constitutes a preservation car, okay. uh, what a barn find is, and what um, is a great restoration candidate. And in fact, that car today has been restored. Oh, it has? Uh, quite expertly, uh, I might say, uh, by the folks at Paul Russell, and it was shown uh, to great effect at the Concurso uh, Deleganza Villadeste last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things that, um, I, 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 if, if you might recall this, uh, on the pages of Sports Car Market, I uh, found myself engaged in a lively uh, exchange with uh, dear uh, Jerry Seinfeld about a Porsche Speedster that he bought at the Gooding Auction a number of years ago. And um, I offered my opinion on the transaction, as did Miles Collier, fellow columnist at Sports Car Market. And um, my idea is that uh, there's no glory in celebrating decay. There are very few truly preserved cars on the planet, and those are certainly worth uh, celebrating and 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 treasuring. Um, but once a car has gotten past the point that its condition actually speaks to what the creators intended, you're just you're just celebrating something that that doesn't honor the object or teach us anything about what the object uh, is. Uh, in in that movie, the Yellow Rolls Royce. That Rolls-Royce went through a heck of a lot, but somehow the people who were its caretakers always cared for the car. The car was never derelict. The car was never... It may have been placed aside for a while, but it was never left out in the field to have a tree grow through it. Hmm. And uh, so, you know, I think that it makes a big difference um, how we look at cars as objects uh, and what they... I think that what they mean. Because to me, the, the highest value a car can have is the emotional connection that caring owners have. Okay. So now, in the case with this particular Ferrari, this 250 Spider, do you think the car should have remained as it was, or do you think it should have been restored? Uh, no, I think that the uh, the owner did exactly the correct thing and restoring the car. Okay. Um, the car was not in a condition that paid tribute either to the car itself, to its makers, or to Alain Delon, for that matter. Um because the paint was flaking off of it, and paint is on metal work to protect the paint. Um, it had that big dent in the trunk, which did nothing for the incredibly beautiful pinion green lines of the car, and didn't say, this is how this car is used. That's a very different thing. If you have a car whose paint has gently faded over years of use and has worn through in spots because of loving polishing, it's a totally different thing. Um, and if the interior uh, is shows great deep creasing, and you have to replace the, the original cotton stitching in the pleats that has that that uh, disintegrated over years of, of sun and, and, and cold and all of that. That's a totally different thing than having something where you've got a spring sticking up through hmm. perished foam into your butt as you drive the car. <laughs> that, 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 that's nothing worth preserving. Okay. I have a question because this guy's, I get that particularly, you answered that question. I get asked that a lot because as an appraiser myself, and I do diminished values and total losses, when I do appraisals, we the condition, okay, mm-hmm. comes up a lot. And I'm kind of more of a survivor car kind of guy, you know, and, I, and there's a difference between like that car would have been really, in my opinion, a survivor, but not necessarily like you, and I agree with you, not a preservation. Preservation is just like you said, it's just kind of like something somebody had, just it just it just has like normal wear and tear, not neglect or um, you know, something that was kicked off to the side and then we try to revive it, you know, thirty years later. But at any rate, this question comes up to me a lot when when I go to do job. They go, Well, are you certified? Uh, and now I would like you to elaborate on a certified appraiser or, in your case, an accredited. You and I have had this discussion, but I would like you to just kind of let my listeners know a little bit what the real scoop is on this. Sure, absolutely. Uh, one of the um, the situations, I was going to say the great shame, but it's a situation, let me not be judgmental, Okay, is the fact that um, for personal property appraisers, which all of us uh, automotive appraisers are, we're personal property appraisers, as opposed to real estate appraisals, real mm-hmm. property appraisals, um, there is no certification on a national or state level for personal property appraisers. Anyone can hang out a shingle and say, I'm an appraiser. And so I think it's really important that people choose an appraiser uh, like me or like yourself who has actually 
been through an educational po- process, who has uh, written appraisals that are compliant with USPAP, the Uniform Standards of Professional Appraisal Practice, and knows the basic um, outlines and tenets of what constitutes uh, proper appraisal practice and, and, and good practices. And I think that it comes down to understanding what the attributes of value of a particular object might be. Um, for instance, you know, in certain markets, uh, matching numbers is absolutely vital. If you're, if you're appraising a Corvette and you have a suspicion that the numbers have been altered or you know the numbers are not matching from the factory, it doesn't actually affect the way you can enjoy the driving of the car, but the market looks at that in a different way. And whether it's important to an owner or not, that's personal choice, and that's another conversation altogether, which hopefully we'll get into in a moment. Um, but it's important for an appraiser to know that that makes a difference. Um, for a race car, however, which is a tool, which at the end of each race weekend was taken back to the shop and completely rebuilt, if you have a race car that purports to have its original matching numbers engine, and it has this tremendous history of being in the most important races and and being driven by some of the best drivers of the time, it's incredibly unlikely. So there you've got the challenge that this could be fraudulent on the other end. So those are the things that an experienced appraiser understands and knows, and that's the kind of, of ethical uh structured behavior that uh, that those of us who have been through a program of training and accreditation appreciate and work towards. Okay, then let me ask you this too. An appraiser, when you go out and do an appraisal, because this is another thing that comes up, I tell people I'm not out there to authenticate the car. All I'm there to do is to assess, appraise what and how the vehicle is represented. Truth to that? Absolutely. We as appraisers are observers. We observe what is before us. We make notes, of course, as a part of our due diligence in doing our um, comparables research. We also have to have the connoisseurship to understand what it is we're looking at. Um, although I am an accredited personal property appraiser, and I have a great interest in uh, art and, and uh, 18th century art, I do not have the kind of background an experience in looking at 18th century art to render me a credible and, and, and uh, frankly, viable appraiser of 18th century art. I can say this looks really terrific. It doesn't appear to have much overpainting, but I cannot tell you if the painting that I'm looking at, the overpainting I'm looking at, was done last week in 1954 or in 1874 or in 1774. That's not my area of expertise. And I think it's important that um, appraisers that people select do have that experience. Now, one of the things that uh, people often ask me, and I'm sure I've asked you as well, is have you appraised an X, a very specific car, a 1952 Studebaker Commander? As an experienced appraiser with a trained eye, you don't have to have appraised that particular car. You have to know what to look for, and most importantly, have the resources to know what references you need to go to, the people you need to ask. You know, those of us in the appraisal uh, field, uh, the true professionals, the people who don't pretend to know what they don't know, know who to go and ask the questions of. So we don't have to have an encyclopedic memory that uh, sort of a, a, a one mark or one bottle savant may have about the number of stitches in the seats in the 1963 uh, Corvair uh, mid-season. You know, we don't have to know that. What we do have to know is, is this consistent with what we have seen in other examples of this type of car? And that's the important thing to know. The uh, ASA is American Society of Appraisers, but there's also a number of other organizations. But it seems to me, what is it, ISA was it affiliated with you guys and there was a split off or something like that? Uh, well, there's the AAA. Um, the ISA was never uh, associated with the ASA. Okay. But there are a number of, of appraisal organizations that are a part um, of the uh, Appraisal Institute, okay. which is the organization that was uh, set up by Congress to develop the Uniform Standards of Professional Appraisal Practice. And it's multidisciplinary. Okay. Um, the, the tenets of USPAP go across business valuation, um, fine art, 
gems and jewelry, uh, real estate, and personal property. So it's, it's multidisciplinary. So if you, you could still be, is it fair to say, you could still be a very good, very knowledgeable appraiser with a lot of automotive experience, let's say you're doing automotives, and not necessarily be associated with ASA or any other organizations, nor be accredited. Is that true or false? Well, again, I have to speak, <laughs> speak for myself, and I say that um, not simply because I am an accredited appraiser with the ASA. It doesn't have to be the ASA, but I would definitely look towards an appraiser that is affiliated with a professional association that has um, reaccreditation standards or recertification standards uh, so that, you know, it's very important for, for anyone in any field to continue their education, continue their learning. And I think that's one of the things that being um, associated with an organization really helps us as professionals um, because it's important that we keep learning all the time. There's no such thing as learning absolutely everything you could possibly know <laughs> about any field. I wouldn't want to go to a doctor who's never been to another conference after they received their degree in medical school, would you? <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, where I'm going with this is because, see, I'm not tied to any, any affiliation, but I do do my own thing. But where I'm going with this is, so, for example, if I was associated, when you talk about recertification or whatever, because we said that we already established there is no such thing as a certification that, uh, you know, in all theory. But when you say continuing education, what all what would be an example? I mean, when you go to one of these programs or if you're associated with one of these programs, let's say like ASA, um, what's the what is the, what is involved? What does the in continuing education entail? Well, the ASA, for instance, offers for its members, as many other organizations do, uh, classes in various areas of expertise in terms of training the eye, in terms of best practices for uh, reporting, uh, for report writing, for clarity, for uh, uh, ability to see that you are delivering your message in as clear and, and un, unconfused a way as possible. Um, also, uh, for instance, in the ASA Automotive Specialties Group, uh, we actually get together once a year for a conference, and we trade uh, war stories, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, share best and, and best practices, and it's really a great opportunity for us to uh, deliver a better job for our clients. Uh, because we get to, again, listen to other people, uh, gain uh, experience from their insight. I mean, you know, when, when you and I run into each other at, at an auction sale, we often talk about the cars that we've just seen mm -hmm. and, and, and what we think of them. And that is the kind of, of information sharing, which I think is absolutely vital uh, for, uh, for, the, for the business and for professionals who are serious about their craft. The... Um the the association, for example, like ASA, what is it? What is it, what all is involved in joining and, and becoming a member? Well, to be uh, you, any anyone can join the ASA. Mm -hmm. In order to become accredited, uh, you have to take a certain number of classes. You take a, a, a class and pass, obviously, a class in ethics, uh, a class in the uh, uniform uh, standards professional appraisal practice, the USPAP class, which, by the way, uh, has to be retaken. Uh, the first time you take the class, which is a 17-hour uh, a, uh, class, you have an exam, and every two years, USPAP is revised, and you have to take another class, which is a seven-hour class, uh, every two years to keep up on your USPAP uh, certification. And then you take four principles evaluation courses, which cover all of the disciplines of personal property. So again, you're just learning the basic fundamentals of how to value objects, how to look at objects, how to determine uh, appropriate markets for, for, for an object, um, how to write credible and clear reports, uh, and then uh, the, uh, you have to take a, a, after you pass those four classes, you also have to take an exam in your specific specialty. Then you have to have 2,000 hours of work in the appraisal field and submit that, as well as three reports for peer review uh, before you can get your associate uh, accreditation. And then it's a further 3,000 hours and another two reports before you can become an accredited senior appraiser. Wow. 
Pretty impressive, Donald. Pretty impressive. And on that note... A lot of work. <laughs> on, yeah, I was going to say. And then on that note, you're also uh, a noted author and writer. Now, I know as a fellow former uh, sports car market alumni, because I used to write for them mm-hmm. as well, um, you do an, ex- uh, an extensive amount of work with them, but also you've authored a few books. Tell us about a couple of your books. Well, I've, I've, authored, I've authored under my own name a single book. Stealing okay. Transatlantico, Transatlantic Style, A Romance of Fins and Chrome, which tells the story of the creative exchange between Italy and America in the decade and a half or so after World War II. It was an amazing time for me. Um, uh, I am absolutely fascinated by coach-built cars of all countries, but especially Italy, and to see the incredible uh, inspiration that came from America after World War II to Italy is quite fascinating for me. Um, it's a wonderful tale of design, of people, of society. It's very much a sociological tale, um, because obviously after World War II, America was the only nation basically left on guard at the end of the war, and uh, certainly all of Europe, especially Italy, looked to America as this shining beacon of progress and prosperity. And uh, it's a very interesting thing, again, going back to old films. If you watch Italian films of the late 1940s and and early and mid-1950s, the big shots all drove American cars, because that was a sign of success. And you saw that influence with fins and chrome trim, the influence of some of the Lowy Studebakers in some of the uh, Italian cars of the immediate post-war period. And then, quite interestingly, um, as the Italians regained their their confidence in the rebuilding of their society and their industry, um, you began to see in the middle of the decade America looking to Italy for what we had always considered classic Italian style, the editing, the, the, the making a simple gesture with form, which was not the American style by, by the mid to late 50s. And we see by the end of the decade of the 50s that America has now taken some of the classic Italian style and it informs cars like the 1961 Lincoln Continental, for instance and uh, things like that. So it's a very interesting journey and, and one that I've always found fascinating because I love both the classical Italian style and the wonderfully exuberant um, post-war American style, which I think is absolutely unmatched. Well, you're referring to specifically the cars out of the late 50s and uh, the very early 60s, I presume, right? Because you mentioned the 61 Lincoln Continental, which I think is one of my favorite Lincolns, first year for the suicide ah. door. Absolutely. And uh, stunning car. I used to have one, too, by the way. Presidential Black Black. It was a gorgeous car. Ah. <laughs> and, uh, but I know you're a fan of uh, small little Italian sports cars or kind of little sedans and things like that, right? I am. It's, it's a very funny thing. I mean, um, <laughs> most people know of my great enthusiasm for Italian cars and presume it's sort of the limit of my, of my, of my passion. The reality is that um, my, the cars that I have tended to collect has been Italian cars because with the funds available to me and the time I have and garage space, I found that it's uh, a little easier to concentrate in a single area <laughs> than, 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 than to try to, to, to spread out all over. Um, and so I have had a tendency to have uh, many more Italian cars than, than other cars. But um, I've owned French cars, English cars. As a matter of fact, speaking of survivors, take a, a, a step back in our conversation. I recently bought probably one of the cars that I'm most excited about, that I've ever been excited about, at the Bonhams auction at Amelia Island in March. I bought a 1953 Jaguar Mark VII sedan. Really? And it was part of the collection of Dean Edmonds Jr. that they were selling at the auction. And he was an extraordinary man. Um, an absolutely brilliant uh, engineer. And this is a car that his father bought for him new in 1953 to celebrate the birth of Dean Edmund Jr.'s son, his father's first grandson. And I am the second owner of a 1953 Jaguar. And you talk about a car, you know, just carrying its history with it. It is completely original. Um, it was a funny thing. I bought the car, and I thought, wow, this is really neat. Of course, thinking, you know, the way I do, oh, I have to buy an owner's manual for it. So the night uh, after the auction, I go online, and I buy an owner's manual. The next day, I go back over to the auction uh, tent to look at the car, 
And of course, I wasn't thinking at all. The one owner car. I opened the front door. There's the original owner's manual, the original shop manual. Those cars have full toolkits in both front doors. Every tool and bulb, feeler gauge, everything was in the toolkit. I had in the property box the original sales receipts for the car and every receipt for the car from the time it was new. Um, Dean Edmonds also in 1955 changed the head and had a C-type head and carburetors put on the car. Oh. It's an extraordinary thing, absolutely extraordinary thing. And I feel so incredibly lucky to be the caretaker of this. It, 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 I'm so excited about this. We are just about out of time. It's a great story. And uh, so basically it's a sedan with basically a C-type, which was kind of like their sports model. It was before the X. Well, actually it was a racing model, wasn't it? The C-type? Or was it, kind of, was it yes, between exactly, 120? Yes. Yeah. The, the, C-type, the, C, the C-type was the racing version, the full-out racing version of the 120. Right. And um, actually, interestingly enough, um, of course, the, the Mark Seven was also Jaguar's first modern post-war sedan. And the XK120 was just built as a, a temporary small production model to test the engine for the sedan. Interesting. Interesting. And actually raced the Mark 7 sedan. Uh, one of them won the uh, Monte Carlo Rally. <laughs> so it's, uh, they're, they're, they're really terrific. They're really terrific cars. Wow. Well, Donald, this, it's fair to say that the auctions have some really cool cars, but what I'd like to do, since we're right up against the clock right now, I'd love to have you back. If people want to find out more about you, how they go about doing it, if they want to get in contact. Besides seeing you on Jay Leno's show, how else can they find out about you? <laughs> well, there's two ways. You can go to the website of my appraisal and consulting business, automotivevaluationservices.com, that's a plural, or you can also find out more about my other life, which is as CEO of the Audrain LLC in Newport, Rhode Island, where I run the Audrain Automobile Museum and the Audrain Concord and Motor Week and I'm supervising the launch of Audrain Motorsport, a new club for automotive experiences for enthusiasts, and that's uh, org. You know, I wanted to get into that. It's on my list of my notes here, and I definitely want to congratulate you on that uh, on that promotion or that opportunity for you. But uh, Donald, you going to come back on the show again so we can pick up where we left off and talk about some more really cool stuff and auctions and My appraisals. pleasure. Okay. Well, we play your clip, the little clip that you gave us. Uh, the liner. The liner, yes. You know, uh, Donald loves cars, and if you love cars, Donald loves you. <laughs> anyway, we play that quite frequently. But, Donald, I want to thank you very much for coming on our show this evening. You have a great weekend, uh, week ahead of you, and uh, we'll look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you so much, Robert. Be well. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, I want to thank my special guest, Donald Osborne. Yes, the... Man Behind the Bow Tie, Assassin Caress, the special segment on Jay Leno about classic cars. And uh, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to check us out every Tuesday night here on the Town Talk Radio Network, where you can find out all about us. Don't forget to check us out on uh, our Facebook page and our social media. Robbie? Uh, yes, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn. Check us all out. Yes, and don't forget to check out our website, GolfSuitMotorsports.com. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully. We'll see you at some of the car shows, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.